Hello, friends. So we are in episode 127. As I was here with you earlier this week, we are coming back to the space in between. And if this is your first time here, your 127th time here, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Phoebe Leona. I'm the founder of Nomad, the Nomad Collective. And our mission with this podcast is to share the stories, the perceptions, the perspectives of the space in between. And you can interpret that in any way you want. We play around with it in lots of different ways. And today we're going to sit with one of our nomad guides, Mike Melios, and he's going to share uh, his take on this space in between of uncertainty and how we can cultivate joy in these spaces, these times of uncertainty. So I am so excited to sit with him and I cannot wait to share this conversation with you in just a moment. Um, but a couple of couple of announcements. So after you hear about Mike, how he cultivates joy in times of uncertainty and how we can collectively cultivate joy in times of uncertainty, you might feel inspired to join his four-week series of cultivating joy in times of uncertainty. So you can find out more over at thenomadcollective.org and sign up. We have the very first session is free. So if you want to just tap your toes into it and then see if you want to commit for all four weeks, we're holding these sessions on Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for four weeks starting April 4th. And uh, yeah, we would love to dive into the conversation with you there. A couple other announcements, something huge that I told you all about last uh, last episode is my book is launching, my friends, on April 4th as well. It's going to be a big day in Nomadland. So my dear little book, Dear Radiant One, is coming to life, and I would love, love, love to share it with you. So you can find out more also uh, how you can purchase the book, how you can be a part of the bigger vision over at PhoebeLeona.com. And yeah, there's going to be some events there to sell some, some, some celebrations and lots of different ways. And last announcement in terms of events happening in Nomadland in November, November 12th through 19th, we're going back to Costa Rica. Nosara is one of my favorite places in Costa Rica. We will be leading a nomad retreat. It will actually be a yoga and movement 109 retreat, transformational retreat that will take you on your own emotional recovery and transformation journey. So you can find out more about that at thenomadcollective.org. And finally, before we dive into our conversation with Mike, I'd love to have you be a part of this podcast. We're, we're really with this initiative of keeping this ad free. There's so many podcasts out there that have interruptions in the middle of the podcast and the end or the beginning. And we want to, we want to keep them ad free for you all. Yes. We'll give give you announcements so you can be a part of our community um, that's happening in nomad land, but we'd love to keep it uh, free for you all. Um, ad-free rather, but we could use your support. So if you go over to the nomadcollective.org, you can donate $11 a month that will fund this podcast to keep it ad-free. Um, all of the investment that takes to keep this up and running for free. And as a gift to you, you not only get to hear this beautiful podcast every week, but you also get invitations to our free events that are happening within our collective membership. So 
we would love to have you and meet you in in the virtual online world. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and find out more at thenomadcollective.org. And if you do like this uh, podcast and this episode, please feel free to subscribe, to like it, to review it, to share it with somebody who you feel could cultivate a little bit of joy in their life. So let's go ahead and sit with Mike Milios. All right, we're here with Mike Milios. I love saying your name, Mike. Oh. Um, <laughs> as long as I'm not in trouble. Yeah. So, and you are back. You are back as our guest because so many reasons. One, you're one of my favorite guests. And two, you're also part of the Nomad Collective now officially as our guide. And you're going to be leading a series, which we'll talk more about later. Um, and yeah, you're just one of my favorite people. So welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Phoebe. The feelings uh, are mutual. Ditto. And you're also my first guest back of taking a very long hiatus. So I'm feeling a little rusty. And just to have you here and uh, be my first guest, it's, yeah, it's nice to have you here. So um, what have you been up to? What's going on in um, your joyful life here? Right ah, now? The path to joy. Yes. Um, a whole bunch of different things. I, yeah, I mean, one of the things I have been working on is is cultivating joy amidst um, you know turmoil, tough times. Um, let's see. Since we chatted last, I think we chatted last at the yoga retreat, which was 2019. Well, we chatted on a podcast last then. We've talked yes. since then. Well, I joined <laughs> the Nomad Collective, which was. Um, Awesome. I was really excited to get that invite. I actually had to call you to double check that you were sure that you wanted me. You're like, this is Mike Melius. That I, I was like, is this not, not a typo? Mike. Is this a different Mike? Um, yeah, no, I'm so excited to join the team. Um, collaboration has been a word for me for 21, 22. And it feels really good to be working with the, uh, the Nomad crew, you know, on the on the mission to help bring all these awesome tools to folks, including uh, connecting folks with joy. Um, let's see, on a personal note, I shifted my criminal law practice a bit. I'm now doing more mediation. Um, I always have to enunciate mediation because I also do meditation. <laughs> um, so yeah, trying to help folks with, with conflict resolution, uh, which feels good. It feels like it's still in that, it's in that collaborative model. And then I launched um, a wellness coaching practice, you know, trying to help connect people with their own wisdom, their own intuition, reminding them that they are the expert. Um, and I get to na help them navigate the path uh, towards things like joy and fulfillment um, you know, and finding out really what, what success means. And then, um, yeah, join the Nomad Collective, which I already mentioned, but, you know, I, I want to plug it again because it's, it's, it. it's been fun. And I love, I love the team that you've assembled, Phoebe. Thanks. Okay. So do you mind if I, we go back a little bit more for our friends who might not have, rem have listened to that first podcast to sure. 
you know, when we met, we met at the Veterans Yoga Project retreat in Montana. And you were, yes, that's when you were still a lawyer and you were really struggling. I think that's the right word. You were going through a really hard time and and struggling with your, your own kind of joy essentially. And can you speak a little bit to where you were then and and what, how that brought you to this new life of mediation? Yeah. I was like, what the hell am I doing in this existence? Um, You know, I, I, I think of yoga as my healthy midlife crisis instead of going out, you know, getting a Chrysler Sebring convertible and I don't know, wearing like a, I think of like the Miami Vice blazer. And like, oh, the midlife crisis of the 80s. But yeah, going, going, to like, going to like the bars and um, yeah, that Don Johnson vibe. Sorry, younger audience. I apologize if that's... <laughs> completely irrelevant um but yeah I was just like I don't know what I'm doing in this existence and there there was a lot of existential uh questions because you know I I think we all want a sense of of purpose we don't want to you know look back on our lives and be and be like you know what did I do what was it all for um and then since then um yes I was struggling I was like I liked being a criminal defense lawyer I love serving people but our system's pretty unfair. Um, and it was hard not seeing the energy I put in line up with the results that I wanted to see for clients. And I thought, you know, there's gotta be a better way to do this where I can still be of service. Um, you know, because of my time in the army, you know, I've dealt with, I've dealt with trauma, uh, compassion fatigue, um, you know, other mental health issues. And it was, you know, those issues were also compounded by being a criminal defense lawyer serving in a system, you know, where those issues are all there. And so I still do, I still do take cases and help people as a criminal defense lawyer, but it's just, that's just a small part um, of my life now, because um, yeah, during those years, I just, I really try to give myself some time to explore and say, you know, what is, giving me that sense of fulfillment. And I want to reconnect with joy and delight um, because that that existence is so heavy. And so what I've been working on, because I mean, I'd love to say that I figured out all the answers, but I figured out some answers. And you know, those answers, yeah. And those unique answers are unique to everybody, which is uh, what I love to share is like, hey, you know, here, I'm not going to give you this, you know, subscribe to, my blog pitch and here's five guaranteed ways to be happier. You know, cause we always see that. I mean, and I click on it. I'm like that clickbait guy. I'm like, Oh, I want the five answers to be happier now. And then you come to realize that, you know, that's something I have to develop um, and cultivate. And a lot of those, a lot of those um, offerings, you know, are processes, which, yeah. which are helpful. Um, yeah. So it's just, for me, it's like figuring out what gives me fulfillment and joy and then looking at the, the practical elements of how can I take the, take these concepts intellectually and then embody and live them on a daily basis. Um, yeah. So for example, it's like, I feel better when I get movement in. So if I'm just doing 10 sun salutations or, you know, knocking out, 
some push-ups or getting a walk in, I feel better in the morning. Um, and then having the grace to be like, ah, you know, when I forget to do it, I can come back and do it tomorrow or I can do it this afternoon. I, first of all, I love how you took us through the journey of, of having, you know, being of service. And it was a route that had a lot of just compound, like you said, compounding your own trauma, your own compassion fatigue. And then you saw this opportunity to continue to be of service, but with, with this more intention of, of inspiring joy within yourself and with others. And I think that for a lot of people who were in your, like what you were making a joke about the Don Johnson (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, midlife crisis where people could, you know, be in your position, just say, you know, screw it. I'm just going to leave it. And I'm going to go and, you know, do this other job that I know makes a lot of money or, you know, you know, just to where I can kind of clock in and clock out and, you know, just turn my brain off and disconnect from that, or maybe continue that job and just be miserable. And so I love that you found another avenue for you to still be of service and, and have that infused more joy in your life. Um, Yeah, there is a real temptation um, when, when I'm overwhelmed and I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel this too, when I'm overwhelmed to just say, screw it, you know, why not just, go for the stuff that get, gives gives that instant gratification and the pleasure, you know, whether, yeah, like whether it's drinking more, um, you know, just doing more stuff, um, you know, that might like externally give me um, pleasure. I don't know. It's hard to put words to that. Whereas it was like, no, you know, it's, it's staying within and, giving myself uh, time and space to explore, um, you know, what gives me that deeper fulfillment while I can also, you know, find out what's, what's good for me um, and give myself time, time, space. Yeah. Um, so you know, what does that look like now that you've made this transition and you're still in that transition and uh, still figuring it out? I know you haven't nailed those five points of joy, but what is, what's, um, what kind of choices are you making now? What feels more fulfilling? I would love to know. Yeah. It's in, I, I always remind folks, like if I'm co- in a coaching role, yoga teacher role, or just human friend role, that it's still a work in progress. And that's the beauty of it. Like, be wary of the people who claim to have it all figured out. Um, sure. um, so what it looks like for me is, uh, you know, I try to go to bed a little earlier. I schedule time for me. I've learned how to say no. I tend to be really impulsive because if somebody comes at me with a good idea or like, Oh, let's take on, let's take on this project. And I still have a bad cycle of doing that where I like, I'm like, yes, let's do this. Cause like, there's that excitement um, or this interesting opportunity. And I'm a pretty curious individual, but yeah, learning how to say no, I forget who said it. Uh, I want to, and I, I hate using quotes if I don't give the proper uh, citation. So maybe we'll add it to the notes yes. after, after I look yeah. it up, but just not, not just saying yes, but like that resounding yes. Be like, yes, this is something where I want to, um, carve out time for, um, 
Yeah. And then just feeling like I, I don't have to be everything for everyone. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I learned that it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I am more present at work. You know, if I'm taking a few more hours off, you know, I'm more present with, with, um, my son when I do take, um, time for myself, a vacation. Yeah. Like those are, those are important things. And, you know, I know a lot of people out there, you know, are caregivers, whether it's like friends, families, the work that they're doing. Um, and it can, it can be a hard practice to really, uh, take that time to, I mean, whether it's just rest or whether you want to dig deeper into this existence, um, it can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. You, you touched on the caregiver thing and, and I'd love to hear more about that for you and in any words of wisdom that you have, I find just to reflect back what you were saying of that resounding. Yes. I've, I found that the more that I say no to certain things and make more of that. Yes. For me, that's where what you just said, you're more present with the person who is with you at that time and space, or you're more present for yourself being alone instead of, oh gosh, I have this other thing I need to do, or I should be the shoulds, right? Like getting yourself all shut on. Um, and- <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard that. Oh, you have it? Okay. Oh. Well, I didn't make that up, but I will, I'll take credit for it. Yeah. Shutting all over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a challenge, right? Because a lot of people want, you know, speaking to you, Phoebe, though, they want your time because I mean, you, you are awesome and people want you in their lives or they want you participating. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard, right? To, yeah. to say no. And there's a yeah. fear, at least for me, there's a fear of like letting people down. Mm, fear of letting people down. And I think that's, totally something that a lot of caregivers probably have that script of I don't want to let that person down because they're so giving in that nature. So yeah. Any other words of wisdom for our caretaking friends out there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I started off my career as a prosecutor and then I, I switched over to being a, a public defender and a criminal defense lawyer and it is an amazing community, despite all the lawyer jokes that are out there. Um, I mean, some of those stereotypes do fit quite well. Um, and everybody likes a good lawyer joke. Um, but the, the folks in the public defense community, criminal defense lawyers, I mean, they're just some of the most compassionate people I've ever met and worked with. But on the flip side, they're some of the most unhealthy people mm-hmm. I've ever worked with. And you see rates of... Um, you know, alcohol use, um, chronic health conditions, um, other other mental health conditions like depression, um, dealing with vicarious trauma, the compassion fatigue. Yeah. Um, you know, because they're always putting others, and so they they get sick more often. And I remember I was at the I remember vividly I was at the Clarence Darrow death penalty defense college it's kind of a mouthful to say and i was doing death penalty defense work which was incredibly exhausting emotionally and physically spiritually um and i remember looking around so we, we finished a session and everyone was at this bar and they're all just like flocking to the bar and they, they it looked like um i know i'm talking with my hands and i know this is probably gonna be sound only but everyone just looked like 
tired and it was, it was like they were just getting, getting the booze um, just to self-medicate. And, and I was right there with them. I was like, I remember being like, I need a drink bad and just help turn the, the brain off. So that was like when I started my journey into how, cause I, I was originally interested in, in offering yoga and meditation to veterans. You know, I'm, I'm a veteran. Um, you know, it was a group that, that needed help. And so, um, I was like, wow, you know, my, my legal community needs it. And then I also, I also get to serve with Karuna Community Minnesota, and we provide uh, yoga meditation to people that are actually incarcerated. Um, but yeah, so that 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 spurred my my desire to be like, wow, there's a lot of the population, and you know, I don't care whether you're a nurse, you know, a mom taking care of kids, spouse taking care of a partner, you know, daughter taking care of you know aging aging family members, there's just a lot of people out there who consistently take care of others, don't take care of, of themselves. And so, yeah, I, I really got into working with uh, caregivers on what is burnout? What is uh, compassion fatigue? What is chronic stress? You know, how is your, how is your nutrition and sleep habits impacting your physical health, which then impacts your mental health, um, you know, or are you doing anything about your spiritual health? Like what's giving you that, that why, that reason to get out of bed. So, yeah. And then what's fun is, um, you know, I have a tendency to want to get out and work with others instead of maybe focusing on myself. And so I have to recognize, like, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this sometimes maybe early on it was a way to avoid my own stuff. Um, and now I'm noticing a little bit better. It's like, Oh, I'm hosting this, you know, giant event for people. It's like, Oh, why am I doing this? This like deeper why it's like, Oh yeah. You know, I, you know, I spent a lot of time working for others and with others that, you know, I need to take care of myself because that, you know, that's part of community care. I'm part of the community because a lot of people use self-care and it just gets this idea that it's just like dropping bath bombs and cucumber on the eyelids, but it's like, no, it's, it's this whole, right. I just pictured you in the bath with your cucumber. There we go. My spa with my cucumber. (laughs) Uh, Cucumber covers my eyelids, but yeah. So just, I'm just trying to encourage folks as caregivers to think about themselves as part of the community that they are caring for and to offer that same care to themselves. And that way it, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit more, if if there is any guilt surrounded by taking care of themselves, it's like, no, I'm taking care of my community and I'm part of the community. You know, I'm a member and, you know, I can't show up for others if I don't show up for myself. Yeah. I, Thank you for touching on that, because I think that is something that gets a little lost in that translation of, you know, that analogy of putting your mask on before you put it on anybody else. And it's it's just simply, you know, yes, you have to take care of yourself. But what you just said of what what was the term you called community care? Yeah, that idea of just 
It is. It's you have to take care of yourself. And and if somebody has a bit of their own self-worth, you know, stuff that like you were saying you were avoiding at first, maybe if you could see that as the bigger picture, right? You can kind of get yourself out of your own way by saying, this is for the community. Me taking this morning off to do my own practice. Um, to go, if it is to go get your nails done or whatever it is that is, quote unquote, your care for that day to drop down into that rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system so that you can be more present within the community. Thank you for touching on that. Yeah, no, and I think I've heard it somewhere, someone else say before, maybe it was Michael Stone talking about like we care or us care. Um, because I think a lot of people are, are afraid to do anything that per, perhaps feels like indulgence. Yeah. Um, Especially caregivers. Yeah. 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 But um, I'm trying to think where I, where I was going with that. Soft squirrel. Um, <laughs> but just like thinking of it as, as like us care, we care because we're, we're part of it. And, oh, I, that's where I was trying to go is, you know, I think people are worried about like feeling guilty. Um, because it, it feels like selfish or cause there's, they probably know plenty of people. I, I know plenty of people that only care about themselves and there's this fear that we're ever identified with them. Um, yeah. I mean, I know there's times in my life where I've been afraid to tell people I'm going on vacation. Yeah. yeah you know, or it's like, yeah. Um, afraid to tell people I'm just taking a day off like clients. Yeah. You know, they'll think I'm only in it for myself, um, which is a really unhealthy mindset for me. Yeah. That I work on. I think, and, and, you know, my grandmother talks about her Puritan values a lot of, yeah. of having to, like, you, you have to prove to other people and yourself, like, here she is 89 years old. And she's like, if I don't, you know, if I'm not productive today, I'm like, you're 89, you're supposed to just do your crossword puzzles and and not feel guilty for being happy to do your crossword puzzles. But, you know, she's like an extreme example, but you and I, who are still in that like workforce, we do, we feel guilty if we are taking a day off during the week or, or, um, you know, giving ourselves that grace to just have a bit of time to, you know, do whatever thing, anything that we love, because we have to prove to our clients, we have to prove to ourselves that we're in this, right? That's such a Western mindset. We're in this, we've got to do this. We have to hustle. And that is definitely a script that I want to change for myself, but for everybody that I work with. Yeah. How can we work more efficiently so that we do have more space for joy for ourselves and with with our community right it's not just here in my community I'm a work worker bee but we can also experience joy together in that community too I love it I love it that's a practice I'm working on too mm-hmm. um, that dreaded that dreaded productivity word and the conditioning you know that I I had grown up that a lot of people have had um yeah, no, and I actually have to be careful because it's like I, I want to be in the things that aren't quote unquote productive, like things that are beautiful, art, music, literature. Um, I, I have to sometimes like tell myself, I'm like, oh, this makes me a war- more well-rounded person. This is something productive. I'm like, no, just freaking enjoy it, man. <laughs> <laughs> just like 
my neuroses around productivity, I'm so glad you brought that up. My neuroses around productivity can be super unhealthy. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to explore this topic. I'm like so interested and curious about it. Enjoys one of them. And maybe there's some deeper stuff going on here because it's like, oh, well, let me let me do it as part of a presentation. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's like with, with the stuff that we're, we're going to be doing with cultivating joy, like not only am I a guide, but I'm a participant. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I want to be exploring it too. Um, and it's something that I have been working on. Yeah, because that that dreaded productivity voice, it's like, you can't be taking a break on the couch. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've had to look at, uh, I think it's Octavia Rahim. She's pretty amazing where it's like, you know, rest is productive, you know. Yeah. Play, joy, delight. Definitely. I but, feel that joy is humming under all of it and it's just our own choice to see it. Right. Um, maybe some Alan Watts, like life is a dance. There's a good, uh, it is. Yeah. I'll share that one too for the podcast notes. It's a really good, uh, YouTube video where they illustrate an Alan Watts talk. It's real short, but he's like, you know, essentially life is just about living it. And, you know, we, we see it as this productivity, machine conveyor belt where we're just like spitting out these things that we're supposed to be doing instead of looking at it more as something that's more of a flow and a dance and yes. uh, Alan explains it much more eloquently than I do and has a great voice oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> you um yeah when you were speaking about that oh it's interesting because you know I always I always talk about my grandmother because she's the person I hang out with the most yeah. but you know she would she the other day I will before let me preface this with I am also on board with this embracing life as a dance it I have been a dancer for those who people who haven't listened before I've been a dancer my whole life just dancing around my room but also professionally and I'm really reclaiming that just as a light like what you said as life as a lifestyle and doing the things that find that I find so much joy in and and yes, okay, the the like more masculine energy of the structure and the form and the money, right? The productivity that will come. I mean, I'm not just floating around like a little fairy. Like I'm actually still doing my work, and but letting letting the the projects that light me up, like like reaching out to you and reaching out to Amy and Leah and Coco and saying. Hey, do you guys want to come to a community and really do something that brings us all joy together? And, and, and really we all believe in together. And that's what lights me up doing this book that I will launch. That's what lights me up. And I totally trust that money, the money will come or whatever it is. That's like, you know, we see as necessary to survive. And so the other day, um, I taught my corporate class where I put my teach people how to put their arms out to the sides. And then they have these revelations that they have arms, right? Okay. I mean, really simple yoga stuff. And, uh, and, and I, and I find joy in that too, but it doesn't fill me up like this, these kind of conversations that you and I are having right now. And so she said, why don't you do more of that? That's so easy money. And I was like, but it doesn't light me up like all of these other things. And we went on this whole conversation about, you know, finding those things that fulfill you money wise. And I was like, I can't like, there's so much inside of me that doesn't like, doesn't want to do it for that reason. It has to come from this place of joy and all that other stuff will follow. I have no doubt. Um, 
anyways, that was me going on a tangent, but I would really oh, I love, love it. It's an important talk. reminder. Yeah. I really love to talk more about the happiness field. And you said you had a story for us um, being in Afghanistan. Oh, um, out of it. Yeah, you know, what I've been studying recently and not only studying intellectually, but, you know, also dealing with with personally is, you know, right now we're in a, a global crisis. We're in a global pandemic. You know, we're seeing uh, massive changes to our, our social systems. Um, you know, we're seeing so much so much conflict. I mean, the media just I mean, that's what the media is paid to do is reporting on conflict. So, you know, I think there's 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 this. Um, guilt that can come across, um, not come across, but, um, there can be some guilt associated with having joy, having fun, like having play. Um, and it seems that they're studying this now that, you know, there's a lot of people also going through it because, you know, maybe, maybe they would have shared photos from their vacation, which, you know, is an authentic good time with, with their friends and family, but they're like, ah, you know, should I post it? Because like, I do have it really good. And there's a lot of other people suffering. Um, You know, maybe there's the appearance that I'm, I'm tone deaf. If, you know, the media just has this barrage of, of sadness that, you know, I shouldn't be posting it, but um, yeah, it came back to my own experience. I, I remember I was in Afghanistan and, you know, we were getting some, uh, indirect fire. So I, I was sitting there. Um, that's just rockets. There's the Taliban blasting rockets. Um, and I was sitting there in a bunker, you know, thinking about life because there wasn't much else to do in the bunker. They didn't have any, uh, any Wi-Fi in there or any books to read. So I was just, you know, contemplating life. And I was just thinking right now, I was like, I hope my friends back home are just having fun. Like, I hope that they are having a barbecue mm-hmm. Um, like listening to good music, good conversation, just that authentic and connection, um, you know, cause that's, that's, that's what it's all about. And there, cause I, I was like, oh, are, are people like not sharing their fun experiences with me? Cause maybe, cause they know I'm you know, overseas or that my experience is, is a struggle now, um, you know, for the same exact reasons, you know, maybe they feel a little bit guilty or maybe there's a concern that it might be tone deaf. Um, but, you know, no, it's like, I want them to be happy and I want them to share their happiness. And that's, that's what, you know, the studies are showing and you can look at any, any number of, any number of journals that are out there that, you know, if you're sharing your authentic happiness, you're sharing what brings you joy, you know, the, the beautiful aspects of life and just doing it, you know, in a, in a conscientious manner, you can, you can begin to let go of any of the, the happiness guilt or, um, you know, sometimes in the army, we, we thought of it as, as survivor's guilt, you know, cause I, I came home, um, you know, you can begin to let that go because you know in my brain I'm going to have the full carousel of emotions you know so why not why not let happiness and joy um delight play pleasure have have their role too 
you know, you, you know, I think it's Khalil Gibran. I, yeah, I mispronounced his name. Um, it talks about joy with the suffering, suffering with the joy. It's like, you can't have one without the other. They are interdependent. And so if I'm not giving space for the joy and only allowing, you know, the stuff that, you know, whether it's global, personal or community suffering, you know, consume my attention, you know, it doesn't have, we're not striking that, that right balance. Yeah. Cause we're not looking to bypass anything. We're not trying to ignore the suffering and just close our eyes and ears to what, what's going on in this existence, but it's like, we can have both and it's a practice navigating both. Um, you know, but ultimately they are interdependent on each other and, you know, something that nature intended for us. That was good. There are so many great little moments in there. So I really appreciate you sharing your, your experience in Afghanistan, because I've sat with that presently now, you know, with people in Ukraine who are going through something similar and thinking, you know, what, what, is, what can I possibly do here? Right. We can donate, we can, you know, but we can also live with yes. joy. And, and there was this, well, would I, would, if I were in this situation, I've actually sat with what you were sat with. Like, if I were in that situation with that, would I want that for other people? Right. It's not going to help if you have other people on the other side of the world, just scared to death for you. That that's not helping the energy, right? If we talk about collective consciousness or an unconsciousness, that that's not really actually helping anything here with with adding to that conflict, adding to that fear, adding to that anger, that guilt, all of those more shadow experiences and emotions. So thank yeah. you for um, for reflecting that. Um, and I felt that to be truth when I was sitting with it, and you confirm that. And I also, um, you know, talking what you were talking about the media creating that conflict or that polarity is so I mean, it just feels like it's getting louder and louder these last, you know, really five, five, six years prior to that, too, but really more so and just got louder with the pandemic and now louder with, you know, what's happening now in the world. And and what I'm also the word that keeps coming through for me is also scarcity. It's like with this polarity, there's a scarcity. And so we can't, it's like, we don't even have not just guilt, but we don't even have the energy for joy. Yeah. Um, right. Like there's not enough time or energy to even experience joy. Yeah, no, that, that definitely hits home. No, I think of, you know, what captures the attention in the media, it's fear, you know, people and people, click on articles or, you know, go watch, you know, whether it's CNN or Fox news, because there's that sense of fear and concern. And then, you know, politicians get elected for blaming everybody else. And, you know, whether it's the other side or, you know, blaming something else for, you know, problems. And so people, I think naturally gravitate, to that, um, whereas, you know, the coverage and, and social gossip, you know, I mean, people talk more about 
is a broad generalization, but, you know, I, I know I've been in certain settings where, you know, there's people I work with and they'd rather talk about, you know, how crappy the boss is or, or somebody else is instead of being like, Hey, let's explore this existence deeper and, you know, find places of joy. Imagine if you were like a random office conversation, it's like, I'm going to start doing that now. Um, Good. Thank you. Random people. I'm just gonna, yeah. I mean, that's my time. I don't, I'm on a, a little bit, I know, I don't know really even where I'm going with this, but like just being in the court system, I'm like, there's just so such lack of compassion here that, um, yeah, maybe I'll start doing it. I'm like, this poor prosecutor just needs a hug. I'm like, what happened to them during their childhood? Um, I'm like, why aren't you getting the love that you need? Um, so maybe I'm going to start saying that. Yes, do it. But, but it does help my, it does help frame my mentality. Um, coming back to, you know, what we were chatting about is it's like, you know, I can't let this person, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm obviously frustrated or this, what this person says hurts, um, or is pissing me off. It's like, I'm going to hold space for that emotion. I'm going to honor that emotion. But at the same time, it's like, I am going to bring a practice of greeting those emotions with that sense of compassion and non-judgment so that I can have space for joy. And I'm not at dinner with my son ruminating about what somebody said to me. Um, and that, I think that's where the actual tangible practices come in. So I did loop that conversation a little bit. I didn't know where I was going for a while, but it came back to, <laughs> came back to joy in a cycle and, and practices. Sometimes I, that's, that's the path I'm on is like stumble. It's, it's the stumble yes. along the way path. Um, oh, what did um, Bill Bill from our team said, uh, I have next bend, I have next bend itis. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a glorious. Wait, what does he say? I haven't heard this. Next bend itis, where he's always looking around the next bend. Oh, next bend itis. Uh, Instead of like being, being present. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not quite the same as, uh, next bend itis. I don't know if that's an official diagnosis. It probably is. (laughs) Um, but it's just like, you know, using the present moment as, as a source for joy and like honoring what, what we are feeling. And when, when taking in, you know, whatever we take in, we become. And so if we're taking in that, you know, that constant barrage of the negative, we become it. And so coming back to the other point, yeah, it's like where you can help, help. You know, if there's a human humanitarian effort that you can help people facing war and global conflict, by all means do it. But it's also helping just by showing up for your community. Because, you know, I think it's like that, I think it's just Thich Nhat Hanh or another teacher, that ripple effect. You know, you drop a stone in the water, the water's going to have the ripple. And it might be small, but, you know, it's it still goes. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about going to your uh, colleagues. Yeah. Uh, I was picturing who was that doctor that like Robin Williams played of, like that like funny, like he dressed up like a clown or something. I was picturing you like dressed up like a Patch clown. Adams. Patch Adams. There I was picturing go. you as like Patch Adams uh, lawyer. <laughs> yeah, oh, I wanted to say Dr. Strangelove, but I was like, mm, 
I don't think that's uh, on point. No, I feel that way. I feel that way. I'm in these environments where like the judge sits in a robe and is very important and you know, they're, they're high above. I mean, they're literally elevated above the rest of us and these big, big federal courtrooms. And there's just environments that lack compassion. They lack love. And I, yeah, I get it. I, I wasn't expecting joy in there. Um, but yeah, but the, but these settings like breed and they, they have effect on people. Um, and so it's like, how can we consci- consciously change our environment, you know? So being smart about taking in the information, but also being around people that nourish us, yeah. you know, we just like food nourishes us. The, the content that we take in from, you know, social media, TV, our friends and family, that, that affects us too. So you might as well try to find the stuff that's, that's nourishing. Oh gosh, there was so, as you were talking, there were so many things like I was just, I mean, I know what you're doing with Karuna is helping is what I'm seeing is that cycle. You were saying, you know, the people who are in those courtrooms for reasons that mostly because they weren't raised with any sort of support system to make them make choices that were not so good to themselves and to others. And so it's just this circle, it's this cycle. And what you're doing with Karuna is really helping at least those who are incarcerated have a better, have better resources, right? But, um, and what we do with Tribe is we're trying to give these tools of yoga for military before they're the wounded soldier, right? So we're, we're, we're trying to get to that root at somewhere at that cycle yeah. and, and stop it. And so it doesn't just continue and continue. Um, yeah. And cycles are part of this existence. Um, it's just about acknowledging the cycle and it's maybe not even, even breaking the cycle, but just bringing awareness to it. I think I was, you know, Sadhguru was talking about, you know, in the inner engineering book that you recommended. Oh yes. A good book. Yeah, right? It's really good. Um, you know, cycles are just, you know, whether you look at the moon or the sun and the earth, you know, cycles are part of it. And it's same, it's same with our thinking pattern but sometimes cycles will expand yeah yeah it's, it's a pretty neat neat chapter i'll try to include that in the notes I got a lot yeah of- i yeah and he might even talk about this more and i often think of it as it's a cycle but it's also a spiral and you could spiral down oh, yeah. and spiral up like you you're gonna revisit these experiences again and these opportunities to make a different choice or the same choice or quote unquote worst choice right but it is, it's this, that's where that expansion comes from. And, you know, cause I've had so many moments in my own personal experience where I'm like, how the hell am I here again? Like I've done yeah. so much work and I'm caught in this trap. <laughs> and there's this, just this glimmer of, of this choice that I could make in that moment, right? Yeah. I could decide to make something that hurt, you know, a choice that hurts myself or hurts others, or just continue to, you know, not change anything or, just see it. Maybe it's just seeing it from a different perspective of the space of, oh, this is an opportunity for me. This is a really crappy moment, but this is an opportunity for me to expand and grow and see a different perspective, right? So um, I love that you came back to the Sadhguru and I love that you love that book. And and also something, if you don't mind me sharing, um, an experience that I had with one of my teachers, um, Alexander John Shia. He oh, yeah. has, you know him, right? 
Um, yeah, he he's for those who are who don't know, we did a podcast with him last year, uh, and he um, he has more of the language of Christianity, and he was talking about this pattern that we have with the collective consciousness of the cross, right? We know, we all know, we've all seen Jesus on the cross, whether you're Christian or not, but he was talking about how this symbol was long before Jesus was in, in like the story of Jesus came around and how it was to represent all of the polarities, all of the tension and be able to hold all of these other viewpoints and sit in the middle in that spot of, of, of unity. And yes. And so, and you're going to love what comes next. (laughs) But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So then he, he was talking to us about, you know, the fact that Jesus on the cross, that image didn't actually show up until the 12th century, because actually when Jesus was crucified, it was on a pole. So it wasn't this four point where his arms were out. It was actually just this pole um, that's how they did the, the crucifixions back then. So somebody asked in class, they said, well, how did it come to be in the 12th century, 12th century after he died? How did it come to be this image? And because he went to the Vatican and he saw all of the art of, you know, the history of art. And that was the first time that you saw Jesus you know, on the cross. Wow. Yeah. And he had said, well, you know, Carl Jung, who he he studied his studies in Joseph Campbell, he studied with Joseph Campbell. And he said, when something, an image collectively comes to our consciousness, it's for us, it's it's for us to learn from. And he said, what happened was that we got caught in in a pattern and we were supposed to learn from this experience, this image of Jesus on the cross, on this four-pointed thing, um, to learn from, but we got stuck there. And we haven't evolved out of this pattern. And when he sat there, when he said that, I, you know, you, I'm very physical person. And I thought, well, what is this vision? Like when you think of that, Mike, like when you think of that picture of Jesus on the cross, what do you see? Um, I'm going back to my, uh, CCD days. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously his, his, his hands are out and he has this, like, he's looking down, um, or I guess he's not looking down. His head is falling. Um, yeah, the arms out. The arms are out, but what you just showed me, like if, for those who are listening to us, your arms were out, but they were so limp, right? Because yeah. it's showing he's dead essentially or dying. And, and then he was talking and then I thought, oh, but what do we do when we experience joy? Like, yeah, we ah, we have our arms out, but there's this tension. There's this, that, that we're the cross. Like we have all of this tension. We hold all of it. And in the center is our heart. And I thought, Jesus isn't doing that. He's not representing that. He's showing defeat. He's showing suffering. He's showing like no tension. It's just this one, like almost it's, it's not hopeful at all. At least I feel, and I wasn't raised in the Christian faith. So I'm sure other people can argue what he represents, but I just thought, wow, what if we just what if it was just a matter of what you and I are talking about today is turning the palms up and experiencing that tension and that, and knowing that there's that space of joy is in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, cause you're right. I love the word tension because you know, it, it, it is there and it, with 
tension, you know, you, you got to have opposing forces and they're not, actually they're not even bad. They're not even opposing because that, that gives the image of like good and bad. Like right. we're supposed to have all of the feelings. Um, yeah. And we just got to make sure that we're not limiting joy. Yeah, there is. There's so much of like, you're on this side or you're on that side, but then there's like, you're so focused on which side you are in. There's no space for the joy or a possible connection with each other, right? To see how we are the same, right? Because we're so focused on how different we are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to ask you a question. Okay. Anyway. Share, uh, to put you on the spot, share what are a couple of your famous, and famous, <laughs> not famous, well, they could be famous, most joyful moments hmm. without thinking too much? Yeah. Um, the thing that immediately comes to mind is being on the water. Uh, both as an adult and as a kid, you know, cause kid, it, it just, it brings back memories of a, of a carefree attitude, whether I'm like jumping in a pool, swimming in a lake, um, you know, we're both, we're both Marylanders, you know, jumping around at the OC at the beach in, uh, in ocean city, Maryland, Holland. Yeah, the that's my Maryland accent. That's my Baltimore ocean city. Um, and then as I got older, like I wanted to get back into that, uh, state of mind. So I got into surfing again. And so, you know, I do it horribly. I ride this board that looks like a boat, but I, and I, if I'm by myself, you know, I'll I'll try to find somebody to go with me so that I don't drown. Uh, And, um, but I, I joke around. It's like, not only do I just love being on the waves, there's like that sway, but I joke around and it's like, my phone is not on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't check my email or um, worry about anybody calling me. So I'm like, I don't even care if I catch a single wave, just this idea of having like that lightness and being free. Um yeah, and there's a cool moral compass exercise, not moral compass exercise, but like body compass exercise. Uh, I think it's Martha Beck that offers it, but I, I think there's traditions all over the world that have offered it. Um, but it's just like you think about like what gives you joy and think about how it makes you feel in your body. And then when you're making decisions off of that, like you try to go to that space as, as your compass. And so it's funny you brought that up because that's what I've been trying to do. I'm like, what gives me like what? just by thinking about being on the water, like my shoulders just drop a little bit, like my facial. And then I can like smell and taste the salt water. I know I shouldn't taste the salt water because it's probably not the cleanest. We haven't been, we haven't been taking care of our oceans. Um, But yeah, just that, that lightness, that perspective that comes with it. It's like, you know, there's a lot bigger shit going on in the world. Yeah than I'm creating in my mind right now. And look at just how the moon controls the waves. Look at how little I am compared to the vastness of this universe, the ocean. Um, yeah, so I think I'm gonna go with water is my long answer, longer. 
I love it. You know, that's funny because yeah, I felt I feel water too in, in ways. Yeah. And um I will I'll I'll I have a probably have to get a really long board too. So maybe someday we can go surf together. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm horrible as well. And I, I um yeah, I tend to be my surf instructor is like, you're kind of an idiot because I don't, I'm so fearless that <laughs> I try to go up and over the wave, like when you're paddling uh, instead of going dive under. So I probably would break my neck or, yeah. or, yeah, or, um, drowned if I were alone. So we can, we can watch out for each other, go get the lifeguard if need be. Yeah. I haven't totally eliminated my neuroses. So I have plenty of, uh, but that's yeah safety measures that I didn't have as a kid. Yeah, right. We we're so fearless then. Um, yeah, my wave was fun. Now I'm like, I can't risk a spinal cord injury, <laughs> which is a legitimate concern. I mean, that's keeping me safe. Yeah, right. I don't need to. I don't need to eliminate that concern. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're like, but Ocean City. I mean, it's not really like big waves, like in yeah Costa Rica or something. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel that I feel for me, I think it's, it's water, but it's also dancing. Same kind of thing. Like yeah. I don't have a boat on me. I don't have these, you know, to-do lists. It's just me with the music and, and my body flowing around and, and what you were saying about that practice of feeling the joy in you. I've been doing a lot more for myself too. And yeah. what I noticed was that whenever there was something that I was excited about, and this was, it was my nervous, like my nervous system didn't understand because like, I'm so, cause I had a traumatic childhood that it was so up and down all the time. And when I got excited, I also responded in the same way that when I was scared, I would like, Oh my gosh. Right. Like my fists would like firm up and my shoulders were create, And I was so excited. so excited. But then that's also the same response of when I'm scared. And so what I've realized is that, Oh, like, now I'm not welcoming it in. My nervous system is like, oh, this is not something you want in your body. Oh, okay. Universe will, don't bring this. And so I've been really trying to sit in that more relaxed space of what joy brings me and like, oh yes, I welcome it with open arms. I can soften into it. I can accept it. I can receive it and not feel guilty. And Oh my gosh, that brings up. Yeah, so much. No, I I totally resonate with that. Um, Yeah, no, because I, my trauma response has been emotional numbness where I didn't feel anything. Yeah, yeah, so mine would, it was like joy, meh, suffering. I mean, I would still feel suffering, but it was just like, all right, you know, because the body just was just like, you know what, we're going to shut it all down. Yeah. And, uh, if it's, if you're, if you're trying to not deal with the shit that's going on, you know, you can't feel the, the good stuff yeah. too. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I appreciate your bringing the, like the nervous system. So I didn't think about it in terms of like, yeah, the joy is triggering the nervous system too. in your circumstances like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like you actually need that. It sounds like, like you need that feeling because you're in that hypo arousal state and I am tempted <laughs> hyper arousal. Yeah. And you actually need a little bit more of that, like heart beating a little bit faster. And for me, I actually need to like, Oh, this is fine. It's totally cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm just regulating my nervous system. Yeah. It's quite interesting. So 
our friends listening, they can maybe sit with that and think like, what is their natural response, right? When they're excited or joyful. And is that the same as when you are um, in that kind of fight or flight state or freeze state? Yeah, no, I loved your question how it's like, what is the body's response when you think about something that brings you joy? I, I love that. That's great. Yeah. That's my jam. I like it. I mean, I find that there's so much in our, we, cause so our Western world, we've just been trained to think that our body is carrying around our brain and <laughs> we have so much information here. We have so much information here. It, it is carrying everything with us. Even the little scars on our body have the stories, right? But there's scars within ourselves too that our bodies are carrying too, those emotional scars. And so it's, it's quite fascinating to me. And it, and I love that there's more of a conversation now about around somatic experiencing. And it's something that I've always kind of known unconsciously. I didn't know how to put it into words. Like I knew that dance for me was a therapy as a child. And And I always knew that it was something that I could do and it felt safe, but it also was releasing whatever I was feeling, the emotions that I didn't know how to handle, but I didn't quite understand, like fully understand until just really recently, even through the yoga practice I would and teaching yoga for so many years, I was like, yeah, there's something more to this, but still didn't have how to articulate it. So I love that these conversations are happening now and it's becoming more common to acknowledge what the body feels. The body's really smart and we're better off when we listen to it, you know, and develop the tools um, so that we can listen yeah. to it. Because it's one thing to say intellectually, it's like, oh, I'm going to listen to my body more, but how the hell do we do that? You know, someone told me that like 10 years ago, I'm like, what? <laughs> listen to my body? Like, I don't think it talks. But now you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like, you know, whether it's like exercise, movement practice, meditation, um, just basic awareness. You're like, oh, I know what having my shoulders up to my ears means, you know, I'm in that fight, flight or freeze mode because something's like pissing me off or triggering me. And it's like, oh, okay. It's the body's natural mechanism. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because we knew from like when we were younger, like my stomach's growling, oh, I'm hungry. Right. Like we knew how to listen to certain messages or, oh, I'm in a lot of pain or uh, my stomach doesn't feel good or I have a headache. Like we knew how to read some messages, but then there were some, like you just said, shoulders up to my ears. That's not really like a sensation. You might not, unless you have, you know, like pain, but somebody might not even know that that's a message, right? It's quite interesting. It's fascinating. So let me see. I think I had, no, I actually got to all of the little talking points that I had. Is there anything else you want to share with our friends out there about joy or just anything else about life, your words of wisdom? Um, I, I'm just in the mindset and mantra for myself is like permission permission Mm -hmm. to feel joy and then permission to explore it you know it's not selfish it's not something that one should feel guilty about in fact you really could be helping other people just by having that honest and authentic experience 
um, without worrying how it's going to be perceived by others. Because guess what? No matter what you do in this existence, there's always going to be critics. Mm-hmm. And the more you put yourself out there, the more critics seem to show up. And remember, you know, they, they, ha- they have their own thing. It's, a, it's, not about, it's not about you. It's about them. So, I mean, while I think it's important to take care of your community, your friends and family, um, you know, this, this life is such a, this, this life offers such a curious path. And, you know, when we can open up to it with a sense of curiosity to the mystery, we can offer in the senses of, of joy. So I, I like, like the exercise I do is I, I'm, a, I'm a pen to paper guy, a journal guy it's like what does bring me joy and the first time I did that I was like I don't know it's bad (laughs) I don't know and then it was like but then I was like all right you know what have I enjoyed in the past like going to lunch with colleagues not opening my email and drinking a cup of coffee um you know talking to you know getting to laugh with with my son when he tells me, you know, the adventures that are sixth grade, which they are adventures. (laughs) Um, And so, but like putting pen to paper and just be like, yes, this is the stuff I'm going to be doing more of while, and then finding joy in my, in my caregiving, you know, roles, you know, as, as a criminal defense lawyer, you know, it's like, I am here to care for this person and yes, love this person. And I do that by, by listening. Um, and understanding there's only so much that, that I can control. So, um, you know, using reflection, using, you know, study, using community to talk about what brings joy and then just giving yourself permission to cultivate that path. And like, cause sometimes I think at this age, you know, I'm 40, it feels like I have to recreate the wheel or cultivate or, um, rekindle um because i know that joy is there and i've been over the years i've been able to touch bases with it so uh yeah just giving yourself that that space that permission to feel all the emotions and giving giving plenty of space for the ones that we perceive i know all emotions aren't good or bad but the ones we perceive is is good delight joy love um and come at it with levity laugh um i can keep going but yeah i'll come back to that like give yourself permission to feel joy i (laughs) I gotta make sure i don't say that (laughs) live laugh love quote or whatever it is oh good (laughs) there's anything wrong with it i think it's it's elizabeth gilbert i i don't know um but i'm trying to avoid cliches i that's that's another you know, yeah. Neuroses that I have that we'll save for another day. Um, yeah, we're have, yeah, we'll have Mike's neuroses next podcast next. We have a few but, hours for that one. Yeah, but I mean, some cliches are there for a reason. Because sure. when you're speaking, I was thinking just of the, the Dalai Lama, like be the change that you want to see in the world. And so if you want a joyful world, then be it, be it totally. And, and I also kind of want to offer just a little like extension to what you said, you said about the critics, like, and there's always going to be haters. And I totally agree with that. 
And it's really like how you respond to it, if it's yours or if it's theirs, because that's what I feel is that, yeah, they're going to be out there and they're going to maybe hate on you. But if you are really, truly in that place of, of owning it, it's not going to affect you. But if it is like, right, but if you were using social media as an example, and it's like, you have all these comments and support and likes and loves and whatever, and there's this one person. Yeah that says something somewhat negative or maybe full on negative and you are ruminating over that. Like that's now not you. That's not them. Now that's you because you are sitting, seeing all this beautiful support that is, you know, you're that's showing that you're owning it, but then there's a part of you that's letting them dig in. Yes. You can give yourself and I do, I try to, it's like, I want to give myself space to acknowledge it. Be like, is this something I want to acknowledge? Yeah, just be like, nope. And uh-huh. can I learn from it? Sure. And if not, you know, I'll learn from the experience. And yeah, yeah that's, that's that's a tough, it is. tough it's a tough practice. Um, something that I'm working on every day. Yeah, but yeah, your message, permission to have joy. I love it. So can you, um, as we kind of wrap up, yeah. in a nice little tight bow, touch base on what our four-week series is going to look like at the Nomad Collective with you? Um, Well, I'm excited to combine three of my favorite practices. Uh, One, which is a short meditation. There's a lot of meditations from some of my favorite teachers from all over the globe that will do. So it's not, you know, anywhere between like three to five minutes of meditation on the subject. And then I get to share teachings from all over the globe. from people that have endured some really hard times, but are yet some of the the people that have the best sense of humor, like the Dalai Lama, uh, Manjur Rinpoche, um, yeah, Nelson Mandela, um, folks that have you know endured hardships, but are still have this lightness and presence and joy. Um, and then we'll have community. We'll get to share with each other, which I love because you know, um, there's a quote where it's like sage on the stage versus guide on the side. And I'm really trying to adopt more of the guide on the side. It's like, Hey, we're going to have a circle. We're going to talk about, and it'll be a place for people to share. Like that way it's audience participation. You know, you get to, you get to not only say, all right, well, this is, this is, the perspective of these people, but you get to actually explore what's going on. Like what, what are you dealing with? What gives you joy? What are, or what you have a space to share with community of maybe what steps you want to take. And it'll be cool. Cause I, I love, I love that community support, like the, the circle community building method um, where, you know, I tended to grow up in the, I'm going to blast information at you, you know, especially in this like PowerPoint age, you know, here's all the information, you know, it's not going to be like a conference setting. It's going to be an area where if you want to turn your screen off and just take, take in the, take in the group. Sure. But if you also want to talk and share, like, please, you not only are you invited, but you're encouraged. So Yeah. We'll get some knowledge from just amazing people. We'll do some, do some breathing and uh, just show up for each other as community, which is why I love 
nomad. It's why I love building Karuna community. You know, that's why I included community in the title of Karuna community. Um, that's why I love transformative mediation and conflict resolution because it's collaborative. So yeah, it's not going to just be like, here's all the answers. Um, <laughs> and it'll be a space where I can share and just be like, Hey, this is the stuff I'm working on. Um, so collaborative community, I'm trying to think of other, um, C words that I can use to endorse it. Collective. Collective. There we go. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So, and I, I never heard the sage on the stage and the guide on the side. I'm, I love that because, you know, yeah. we're calling when I was sitting with the collective and inviting everybody in who yeah. is a different teacher, facilitator, have all these different labels. And gosh, these days, like coaches, everybody yeah. has have, like their own unique label and I thought let's just call everybody guides because you know no matter yeah. we're on a journey and it's not that we have all the answers as like the sage on the stage but we have experience we've all in terms of formal training but also of life experience that we can offer but it's also that we're on this journey together so we can kind of point out yeah. the vegetation that's here and stay out from this this might be poison don't eat those berries but then like go explore go see what's here i i exactly because one of the things why i was drawn to yoga and you know teachers from buddhism and some other other cultures is um, the idea that you are required to take nothing on faith I had to pull up um, that line. It's like, you are required to take nothing on faith, which is an invitation to explore these tools. It's like, don't do it because I said it's good for you or this book said it's good for you. Give it a shot, but explore it and see if it if that also manifests in you as well. And that, that was the Buddha's essential teaching. He's like, yeah, this is this is kind of what I've gathered over these years. And this was the epiphany that I had. Um, but don't take my word for it. You go do it. Give these, yeah. Give these practices a shot. Don't take anything on faith. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, I'm trying to approach it as a guide on the side with that type of, of thinking. Whereas my inclination would have been like, Oh, this is work. This works for me. It, it's going to work for you. If you just do this nutrition plan, this <laughs> plan, you know, I can do that all day long if you want, but it's not going to stick because it's not yours. Yeah. And, you know, just to touch on that a little bit, I think that is a little bit of a challenge for people to wrap their head around because they do just want to have those, like to go bring it back to the very first conversation that you had today. If they do want that article that says the top five ways <coughs> or pill, and what you are saying is a more progressive approach of this is what helped me but also go and figure it out on your own. And people are like, Ooh, and, and I would like to um, just say that that's what we're offering at Nomad are these, all these different perspectives um, ourselves as the guides, but also the people, like you said, the community that's coming in of the practitioners who are experiencing this themselves and might be more on that struggle side, but like share what what's working, share what's not working because a lot of times it's just the not, not feeling seen, mm. is it, right? They feel like I'm the only one that's going through this. And just having you being the guide, Mike, saying I'm struggling too, it's like, whoa, how powerful is that to realize that here's this guy that I'm looking up to to a certain extent because they're signing up for a series with you, right? Um, 
but whoa, he's going through it too, or, or he overcame this and it's possible for me too. Um, having a peer in that, that circle too, of going, oh, wow, I thought I was the only person who felt this or, or, you know, to just have that witnessing experience is so powerful. And that's really what I, that's one of the biggest missions I think that I have for the Nomad Collective is that everyone feels seen and heard in that way of being witnessed for whatever they are, whoever they are, and whatever part they are on their path. So I'm so grateful that you're one of our guides on the sides. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for allowing me on the, uh, on the trip. Yeah. I was like, what's the password (laughs) (laughs) to get into the sacred space? No, uh, you are definitely one of my very like favorite people on this earth. So I'm grateful that you said yes and answered the call to the summons. I love it. And I'm grateful that you connected us with Leah, who keeps us all. Shout out to all, Leah! Because Leah's amazing. So it's amazing. Leah, for everyone out there, she's our community manager. She's okay. um, and and her sidekick, her partner, Dylan, who edits this. They kind of are just these people that, you know, are the backgrounds doing amazing, magical things for the Nomad Collective. Um and yeah, and you. And I'm so excited that this is a time slot that I could show up for yeah. and be part, a participant because I've had teacher trainings your last few sessions. So start the week out right, eh? We're doing it. So we start April 4th. Yep. Goes for four weeks. And we're 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, correct? Yes. But for my fellow people, uh, we, can't, we can't forget over... Because I grew up on the East Coast. We can't forget the flyover states, the Midwest. <laughs> so it's 8 a.m. Central. Yes. Um, Central time, 9 o'clock Eastern. Yeah, I remember all the TV shows as a kid. They were 9 Eastern, 8 Central. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you're in another time zone, because this is a global podcast, you can check in. There were daylight savings and all of that the past couple of weeks. So just double check your your time zone and we would love to see you all. And I think we can sign up just for the the series itself. And we're doing it for $44, I believe. Yep. So for the four week series, and if they want to experience the fullness of Nomad, they can join our membership program, but start with Mike and cultivating joy in the times, uncertain times, times of uncertainty. I had a longer title. I don't know oh, what was it? Did I get uh, it? No, I don't know if I, I think I may have sent it to Leah or I may have put it on the blog. It was. Uh, oh, I kind of remember seeing it on your it blog. Was, it was, yeah, like cultivating joy during times of uncertainty, during global pandemics, during, you know, the start of World War Three. you know, when you forget to feed your Chia pet, um, when the dog poops in the house, you know, when the kid poops in the house, you know, and you get a nasty text, you know, that, yeah. but I, I feel like, you know, a little shorter title, maybe a little bit more. I like it. No, it reminds me of, um, after the ecstasy, the laundry or something like that. Oh yeah. Jack Cornfield. Yeah. Jack Cornfield. But yeah, I love the long convoluted, uh, yeah. title, but we'll keep it to for now cultivating joy in times of uncertainty or something like that. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Mike Melios. Thank you, my friend. It is a pleasure to chat as always. As always.
Oh, I hope you had so much fun. I certainly did. I love sitting with my dear friend, Mike Melius, our nomad guide. And as we shared before, you can join Mike and I will be there too for this four-week part series of Cultivating Joy in These Times of Uncertainty. Mondays, starting April 4th, that's coming right on up at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for about 45 to 60 minutes. We're going to dive right deeply into joy right then and there for four weeks. So come join us. You can find out over at the nomadcollective.org. And again, if you like what you hear, share it, subscribe to it, tell your friends, and you can help support us. Go ahead and visit thenomadcollective.org and subscribe for just $11 a month. You'll get ad-free podcasts here and invites to our free events. So we'd love, love, love to meet you and connect names and faces and voices and, and be, have you be a part of our community. So thanks again, everyone. Have a beautiful day.